0: This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry, with your host, Radio Joe Hughes, and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes.
1: Good day, wherever you're listening from, and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus. This week is episode number 587, and we welcome Nir Bashan to talk to us today. We're going to talk about Harnessing the power of creativity to help improve profitability, increase sales, and give meaning to your work. Uh, looking forward to a great show. This, you know, we've we've done these business shows from time to time to try and help people with their uh, business planning and so on. Looking forward to an interesting one today. A little different take on it. So. Hang in there, and we'll be be right back. Uh, Before we go, let's thank our sponsors. First is our newest sponsor, the American Industrial Hygiene Association. Learn more at AIHA.org.
0: IAQ Radio Association sponsors are the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists. Learn more at ACGIH.org. The Cleaning Industry Research Institute. Learn more at CIRIScience.org. The Indoor Air Quality Association. Learn more at iaqa.org. And the Restoration Industry Association. Learn more at restorationindustry.org. IAQ Radio Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories. Learn more at aemlinc.com. Particles Plus. Learn more at particlesplus.com and Healthy Indoors Magazine. Subscriptions available at HealthyIndoors.com. Okay, so this week's guest is Nir Bashan. He's a world-renowned creativity
1: expert, taught thousands of leaders and individuals around the globe how to harness the power of creativity to improve profitability, increase sales, and ultimately create a more meaning in their work. Neer has spent the last two decades working on a formula to codify creativity. He's the founder and CEO of The Creator Mindset, a company that conducts workshops, consulting, coaching, and keynote speeches at conferences and corporate events. And his clients include AT&T, Microsoft, Ace Hardware, the NFL Networks, Suzuki, jet blue and he lives oh i can't say that one all right so anyway i don't want to give away the 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 trivia question near welcome to the show hey thank you thank you for having me this is great great to have you here um a little out of sync today because my my co-host is out but uh let's let's talk a little bit about creativity i guess what I, i want to start with i always like to get the definitions down what what how do you define creativity
2: you know, it's a, it's a really good question. Um, I think that, um, you know, overall, uh, creativity is kind of the, that spark, it's that missing spark of, uh, innovation of, of problem solving that, um, that, you know, I, I keep seeing in businesses, uh, all over the the world. Really it's, um, something that 's not taught in schools right we're we 're sort of um taught Joe how to analyze really well uh through spreadsheets and different types of of logic um yet we kind of have a whole um, half of our mind that 's dedicated to to- sol- uh, solving problems creatively that uh we 're not using and so um I think that uh creativity especially in this context is really about um coming up with problem solving for uh businesses especially um you know in your uh, uh um organization and in your uh sort of orbit um that maybe haven't been thought about before or haven't been executed before because because of the lack of uh of, of understanding of that part of our potential. That's kind of how I, I define creativity.
1: How how did you get so enamored by, and, and, you know, into learning about and teaching about creativity? It's
2: a, it's a really good question. Yes, sir. So, um, I, um, I had kind of a, you know, endless job after endless job. I uh, graduated high school and then started refinishing furniture um, and, uh, worked at a call center and did, you know, a bunch of, of jobs that went nowhere. I I think like most of us. And, um, at a certain point, no matter what I did, uh, from manufacturing and I worked in, you know, fast food restaurants, I saw that there's a commonality in success, um, where certain people do really well and others don't do really well. And there's a through line there, um, in terms of success. And for me, it's always been, um, the people that are the most creative tend to do the best. They tend to be able to solve problems. They tend to be able to, um, to sort of move forward and, and figure things out and come up with fresh and cool and innovative new ideas. Um, And I thought, great, that's what I want to do. There's got to be a book, right, Joe? There's got to be some (laughs) manual or, you know, a a website or a, you know, a podcast. There's got to be something online or whatnot that I can go read the thing, learn what they're doing, and um, just kind of uh, uh, capture that sense of creativity. And I found that there's none of it. Um, and then I started kind of climbing in my career, uh, um, eventually opening my own companies, um, running companies for other people. Um, and I, and I, I still found the same problem. Nobody's teaching anybody how to be creative. I've had the, the, the good fortune of meeting some very, very, very creative people. And I'd ask them, you know, Hey, can you, can you give me some tips? I, I want to be creative. It's awesome. You guys know how to solve problems like nobody else. And, and this is really cool. Uh, How do you do it? And, and I hit a wall, right? Um, They're like, well, that's my IP. You know Um, we don't, uh, we don't, you know, uh, you know, I can show you a couple things, but that's kind of who I am. And, you know, the more I started kind of seeing this out there, the more I said, you know what, wait a second, I've been paying attention to this for 20 years. Um, I had to sort of write this stuff down and you know, kind of connect the dots and come up with a master plan to give to somebody, um, so that they can be creative too. Uh, and I, I did that. It's, it's a, it's a book that's coming out in August, uh, of this year, August 4th, it's called the creator mindset. It's on Amazon and it'll be in, in bookstores. They're already translating it into two languages, which is really cool for a, a first time author. I mean, I'm a, a business person, uh, primarily uh, a writer kind of a distant second um, and I'm, I'm very excited about it you
1: know, I would think within psychology you would think that they had kind of looked at that whole idea of creativity and the, the two sides of the mind and so on were, were you able to find anything in, in the psycho psychology literature so I, I it, it,
2: you know I looked in in that realm uh social psychology uh behavioral psychology especially joe and um gosh I, I you know i found a lot of good stuff but what i really found was academic stuff um you know hey we did a study and i love studies where we had a bunch of you know college freshmen we gave them five dollars to participate. And they ended up, you know, becoming more creative when we put a light bulb in the room or, you know, we, we changed the color of the room to a, a pink or a certain kind of uh, color that would would increase creativity. It's wonderful. And I love that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think there's a little bit of a gap um, between a uh, academic approach to creativity and a real world uh we got kind of a crappy cash flow situation, like now. What do we do now um, to remedy the problem? I, I didn't find those types of, of business solutions in the academic literature. Um, I found some amazing stuff, but nothing that, that, that you and I, or people in my orbit, and you know, people in the business community, can say, This is what I want to enact now um, as, a, as an execution, uh, for lack of a better word, of creativity
1: you know, I can, I can kind of, I think I have a good feel for why creativity is so important now, especially with, you know, COVID-19 and the problems people are going through with their businesses. And, but I, I wonder if you could maybe comment on that a little bit. Why now? Why is it so important right now? And, and how can we use this creativity to help kind of our businesses out of the doldrums?
2: Yeah. So it, it's a, it, it's, it's a really good question. I think that, I think now more than ever, we need a different way to look at things and we need to have a sort of sense of what the world is and what we are trying to accomplish. So, you know, um, one of my, one of the things that I like to do when I'm, you know, out consulting or whatnot is look at somebody's business and um, see what it is that we can be doing more creatively especially now you know the, nobody nobody I, I, I don't know maybe somebody did but um nobody really predicted this thing right it kind of came out of um kind of came out of nowhere uh for lack of a, a better uh, term and you know it's it's really changed the the dynamic the the playing field of, of what's going on in business today um and you see kind of a a chasm um Two sort of uh, sections, right? Um, Joe and I, I'm sure you see this in your business too. You see, you know, some people who are embracing creativity and coming up with different implementations of their business, and you see people kind of shutting their doors and saying, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, let the government sort it out. Let them write me a check. I'll open up when they're when they're uh, sort of um, sort of back. Um, on one side, on the creative side, you see, I don't know, restaurants, right? You see them sort of offering a um, a meal to go, but they're including some produce, two heads of lettuce, four, you know, uh, tomatoes, so on and so forth. And in that package, um, yeah, you get your meal, but you're getting a little extra. And that kind of created. Uh, here in where I am, not to ruin the, the trivia question, um, we're starting to see uh, uh, retail clothes uh, uh, stores, you know, sell clothes. Kind of, you know, have a um, a little table in the front, and you know, they're bringing the POS machine and they're interacting with 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 customers with a uh, safe distance. Um, you know, giving that customer three of the same, you know, uh, article of clothing so that they can go home and try it and see if they like it. Again, this is um this is a a creative implementation. It's taking your business and saying, you know, I have a, a brick and mortar operation. Um, how do I look at what I'm doing and become a little bit more creative uh, and coming up with a bunch of solution? Or it's looking at the business, you know, during COVID and, and just kind of throwing your hands up and saying, you know what, um, it, it's, uh, it's a tough time. And, and you know, uh, I kind of, I, I, I give up. The, the main difference is mentality. Um, Joe, when you have the mentality of a creator, of somebody who's interested in solving problems um, with creativity, you tend to have options that open up for you. You tend to have a uh, a way and a process and an understanding um, that not only will things get better, but that you have a hand in it getting better. Um when you sort of throw your hands up, you, you maybe take on a mentality, uh, a little bit that is, um, you know, kind of accepting your situation and, and, and calling it a day. I don't think that there's any problem that has ever been generated by mankind that cannot be resolved through the use of creativity. I, I honestly think it's the only, the only thing that everybody has, um, that we're all born with essentially, that we kind of have let go. It's amazing. It's like, you know, it's one thing that that everybody, every man and woman on earth has a God given ability to use creativity to solve problems. And we kind of did it when we were young, right? Uh, We went to art class or we doodled, or we did something like that. Um, but as we grew older, I, I feel Joe, we kind of threw it away, right? Don't you think, I mean, you know, um, uh, all those creative, creative things that we were doing as kids, we don't do anymore and what suffers? I think our business suffers. First of all, uh, you know, our, our, our life suffers and, and we're unable to kind of come up with these great lightning bolt sort of ideas that help us, um, move forward in, in our business. And, COVID is an essential time to see that happening. But what do we see, Joe? We see, you know, me telling you two exceptions that I've seen in my hometown here. Uh, I don't, you know, we don't have a a conversation about, you know, how many people got it right. We we have a conversation about the one or two, maybe you know a couple also that have, have gotten it right. Instead, what I'm trying to, what I'd like to do is change the the, the discourse in the U.S. Uh, um, and around the world to some degree so that these stories of, you know, the guy coming up with a creative idea to move his business forward is not the exception, but it's the norm.
1: Absolutely. You know, I'm wondering, you know, when you mentioned that we kind of lose creativity over time, and I I've looked at that a little myself, actually, I think a lot of it's because we're we're beaten down. Um, You know, when children are very creative, sometimes that's not as encouraged as it could be. You know, it's kind of like, um, it's not following the path, you know, studying this and studying that going forward. And I I don't know, did you see any of that in your research that um, we're not really embracing creativity in youth?
2: Yeah, so w- w- it's absolutely right. What what I what I have been seeing, and I've been really lucky, um, you know, uh, when we sort of put out the feelers for different researchers and and academics to help. I mean, it's it's a mass market book, right? It's not a it's not a, a, you know a university sort of sort of book. It's a book for business people to be able to read, you know, on a on a hopefully five hour flight when we get back to flying and all that stuff. Um, you know, kind of a primer on how to do stuff now to be more creative, and what we found in the research is that children are um, inherently more creative because they 're not afraid of failure and joe the the tipping point becomes the sense of failure. Uh, I think in adults what we what we 're seeing is that we 're you know way too. Uh, failure adverse, we don't want to make mistakes, we don't want to get it wrong, we want to get it right every time, and what ends up happening um, by trying to get it right all the time is that, well, not only is it impossible, and not only does it provide, you know, untold amounts of stress and anxiety uh, for people, especially business owners, uh, especially employees who are trying to sort of, you know, uh, rise up to the top, It creates a a scenario where where nobody wants to take a risk anymore because we're afraid of what might happen. And when we're children, um, the research has shown we had a an amazing uh, um, child psychology expert, uh, Dr. Beth Long, from one of the uh, one of the premier children's hospitals, contribute to the book, and she's found that you know in some of the research that uh, children you know are you know there's less at stake. Uh, for getting it wrong and therefore they've created themselves with more and more creativity uh, and therein by coming up with different options to help uh, sort of solve problem. It's really, it, it really is an incredible, incredible thing. And as we get older, um, we're encouraged to do it less. So I found some research around schooling uh, and I started to ask questions. Well, why, why are we in school um, the way that they are now? There's a teacher in the front of the room and there are 30 people on, on the other side. I've, I've actually used some of this logic for, for conferences too. Um, but anyway, there's a teacher on one side, there's 30 kids on the other. And we've seen it as early as, you know, kindergarten, first grade. So the teacher will go and ask questions, you know, and um, sort of say, Hey, you know, well, what, you know, When was, uh, you know, the declaration the Magna Carta? What was the date or whatever the the coursework is? And, you know, you have uh, uh, students that will want to answer that. Absolutely. They want to get the right answer. We're not really encouraging people to to be creative uh, about how they look at a problem and and sort of kind of attack it from different angles to allow creativity. So I think what happens is, um, um, Joe, the our schools are kind of discouraging creativity and we come through the system. We're in high school. We know that the teacher ain't looking for, you know, what we think or whatnot, or, or some creative implementation. They're looking for you to execute and complete the, the project more so in college uh, as well. And, um, when we get out in the real world, someone hires us, uh, or, you know, maybe we're lucky enough to start our own business from the get go right out of high school or whatnot, or even earlier, And, um, you know, we're, we're sort of sprung into an environment where you got to get it right. Every time you got to get it right. And when we got to get it right, we put too much pressure on ourselves. Um, and it takes away from an ability to be creative.
1: I think that fear of failure is, I wasn't expecting you to say that, but I think that really rings true to me that, uh people are obviously very afraid of failure <clears throat> excuse me um, and when they want to try something new with their business they feel like if it doesn't succeed that um, you know they're a failure and I think that stops them from doing that but I'm wondering how do you determine you know when you want to try and implement something new in your business um, how do you know when it's it's not going to work and it's time to move on to the next new thing or or do you keep going at it time, you know, time after time until it it actually works. What do you recommend for people there?
2: Yeah. So what I recommend is, you know, I think that the answer to your question lies in the root of what it is that we do. Okay. So let's say we're in the, in the disaster restoration business, right? I got, you know, either franchise or on my own sort of team I got a call, you know, a customer's house or a business has been flooded. Okay, so I show up, and what do I do? I, you know, I kind of go through my standard operating protocol. I look around. I, you know, I get my the blowers out. Right. I go. Oh, got to cut the, uh, you know, got to cut the drywall up about a foot and a half, and you know, uh, got to dry out this room, lower the humidity. You know, do all the sort of standard operating practices, which are brilliant, right? Because they've taken a long time to establish those things because they work. Um, but what is the meaning of what we're doing? Right. And that's, that's a creative realm. That's the realm that we've kind of shucked off. We've said, ah, I don't don't want to deal with that. Here's my service. Here's my charge. That's what I'm doing. And then I ask people, well, what differentiates you from, you know, your company, a, what differentiates you from company B they, they, they're in the same business. Their trucks are green. Your trucks are, are, um, uh, you know, purple. Yellow. What's the difference? You, you guys charge, you know, uh, for this X amount of dollar, they charge Y. They're probably 15% apart, you know, common for, for a business, depending on markup and all this other stuff. Um, why should they go with company A or company B? And Joe, I have people telling me, I don't know. They say, oh, I don't know. I mean, well, it's a race to the bottom there. It's always, you know, a, a margin pay. And I say, no, you're, you're, you're going way too Uh, um, too far beyond the meaning of what it is that you do in that meaning uh, uh, that's the creativity that will give you not only market differentiation, but like a real sense of, of, of what it is that, that you, uh, um, that you can uncover. Uh, And what it really is, is about the approach to, you know, cutting the drywall and putting the blowers in and all that stuff. And a redefinition of of how it is that you do what you do, because if you have purpose and you have creativity, you look at your yourself as a myriad of things. I can't tell you because it's going to be different for everybody. Um, I did a talk at a at a convention last year, and I had a gentleman in the in the restoration business, the uh, disaster restoration business. He had a franchise from one of the popular ones, um, Joe, and he he was like. You know, near I sat through your lecture, it was great. It was an hour. I'm totally inspired. I said, okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And he mm-hmm. said, you know what? But like, I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, people's things flood. I do fires. So the kitchen, you know, caught fire, but the rest of the house didn't. It's, it's a nightmare. And I come in and I charge him, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I can't use your creativity stuff. It's fantastic, but I can't use it. Um, you know, it, 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 I, how, how, what does it mean to me? And I, so I said, okay, what's your, you know, what's your background and stuff like that? He's like, what does that have to do with my business? I said, I said let's talk a little bit about your background. He said, okay, um, you know, I you know, came up through this and, you know, I had a business and then sold it and then had this other business, and stuff like that. I said, well, let's, let's go back to, to your character and, and to who you are. He said, okay. I said, you know, what would your friends say about you? And he said, Joe, you know, um, I'm kind of the neighborhood guy that everybody comes to when they need something. Like what? So he said, you know, like, a, like you need to borrow a tool. I've got the tool. I've got a garage full of tools. People come. I was like, I know. I have a guy like that in my neighborhood. We love him. Everyone loves him. He's like, yeah, you know, that, that's cool. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm well-liked. I said, yeah, you know. And he said, you know, I'm kind of the, the guy who, um, you know, when somebody has a problem or an issue, I'm able to come in and, and help them out with it. I'm like, wow, looks like that's your business too. And he was like, well, I guess I really never thought of it that way. But yeah, it fits. I told this, this, this gentleman that there is no coincidence in the fact that he's doing disaster restoration, no coincidence um, that he's in this business. He didn't fall into it. Nobody falls into anything, Joe. You are uh, literally a product of of the creative core that you have in you that has guided you through life, trying to get out and, and do its thing, but you've kind of squashed it with the analytics. So here you are, the owner of this business. I said, go into work tomorrow, and when your next client calls up, you know, use the identity of who you are, the root of why you are in this business um, to sort of help that customer move forward. And he was able to you know, say, oh, this is great. You know i had a few phone calls with him um, did some consulting or whatnot follow-up and he told me now that he goes out to a business it's a whole different approach i said wow i can't wait to find out what what are you doing that's different he's like totally creative i said great what happened he's like i added a new tagline to my website that said you know um you know help is on the way and i changed my business card i'm like dude that's great but like that's like a baby stuff of creativity what else have you done he's like okay so we did a little bit there And now when I approach a client, I tell them, listen, I empathize with them. I tell them I've seen this many, many times. These are the five things that I think will happen. These are the few things that that won't. And in the quote, I enable them the ability to kind of come up with, you know, maybe a, a more a la carte plan. And I'm like, dude, that's brilliant. Now we're talking about creativity. Why would your customers go a la carte instead of you giving them one price for the job? He's like you know they it's a it's a business, it's a church, it's a something like that, and you know they're trying to save money, and I found that by doing that um you know and this is several conversations later uh, he said that by by doing kind of an a la carte pricing, he found that people would end up maybe taking one or two of the of his projects on and and not kind of going for the full uh the full package. Um, getting familiar with the staff and the people on the ground, which is essential. You know, they're carriers of your brand. They are the front line. You know, how they interact with customers, what they say, what they don't say, um, you know, how they act, uh, everything is, is critical. What he's found is that by offering these a la carte packages, he's actually making more money because once he gets familiar with the customer, they tend to want to do uh, uh, some more things or allow him to kind of complete uh, uh, the job. So, I think in that way, creativity is, is essential uh, in all that we do, and especially for us uh, here in the business community.
1: I think that's a good point because a lot of our listeners are in the indoor air quality consulting or in the disaster restoration world. or And when you get a project, you kind of focus on what it is they called you for and maybe don't show them the a la carte of other things that you can't provide for them down the road. So I, I think that's a good Uh, That's a good example for for our listeners.
2: Yeah, uh, that's like the the tip of the iceberg, right? Um, You know, you look at being creative. It's not about, you know, drawing a great picture or playing trumpet um, or, you know, fine art or dance, which those things are wonderful. They're a very, very tiny, tiny subcomponent of creativity. They just happen to be the one that we're most familiar with. But there's a whole other piece, you know, of the pie out there that, you know, is uh, creativity. Some of it's innovation. Some of it's coming out with, you know, amazing, different, and new, and fresh uh, um, business plans for people to be able to consume. I think that sometimes in 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 different fields, we tend to get kind of stuck in the same way of doing things, and you know, we we, we kind of fool ourselves maybe a little bit into believing that, you know, it's always been done this way. So why would I change it? And, you know, my message to that person uh, in that career or that business is now, now is the time, especially when the prevailing wind is it ain't broke. So I fix it. <laughs> that is the best time for creativity to, to, to come on board and, and offer you different solutions um, uh, competitive advantages and all kinds of other things that will help you stand out.
1: Before we break for halftime, I want to ask you about um, on your website. It said you had a Clio award and an Emmy nomination. Where, what? Tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah. So um, I uh, I ended up uh, um, sort of uh, running advertising agencies for a while, um, and uh, when I was uh, in school. I, you know, use some of the principles that we're talking about today, and I saw that uh, some of the commercials out there on on TV were just kind of true and tried, right? Um, Almost uh, uh, generic in their approach and, you know, kind of formulaic, you know, you have a few seconds of this and you show the product and then, you know, you sort of, uh, um, um, you know, wrap it up with uh, with some text at the end and maybe a phone number, right? Um, So I said, you know what, why don't we, why don't we get creative and try to, uh, try to understand um, a commercial differently, so uh, I was in school at the time or, or just graduated i, I can 't remember um, and I got a couple of, of friends together, and we made a uh, a commercial for a Honda, uh, like a Honda Civic, you know the car and it basically um, radi- it resonated against the truth that Hondas don 't break. Um, you know i 've had plenty of Hondas in in my lifetime i 'm sure i 'm sure the listeners have had them and you kind of have to work pretty hard to break Hondas uh Transmission. Motors are good transmission's good um and you know they weren 't putting it out there that these are unbreakable cars for whatever reason uh so I made a little commercial where I got a friend of mine who 's a kind of a comedic actor, and you know we 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 did a uh, a commercial where You know, he drives around, and the Honda's got you know 200,000 miles, and you know he's talking about how nothing breaks, and then you know he pulls down the visor clasp, and it breaks in his hand, and he was Mm -hmm. like, "This is the first thing ever to break on this car," you know, and and we uh, submitted it to award shows and this and that, and it ended up winning a Clio, and it got nominated for an Emmy. I didn't win the Emmy, but I got nominated for it, Um, (laughs) and then I kind of I I was like, okay, maybe I'm on the maybe I'm on to something, so you know. Uh, uh, again, we, we, we talk about it, uh, I talk about it in the book, um, but there's ways to, to, to look at things when everyone else has looked at it in one way. There's ways to look at things in a different and fresh way, no matter what you do, no matter what business you're in, uh, that can create some incredible value. All
1: right. Well, let's stop and thank our sponsors here at Halftime. When we come back, we'll talk a little more about creativity with Nir Bashan.
0: IAQ Radio industry sponsors are Particles Plus engineers and manufacturers of feature-rich particle counters and air quality monitoring instrumentation. Learn more at particlesplus.com. Count on us. Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at healthyindoors.com. And AEML Laboratories, free FedEx shipping, great pricing, same-day results, and never a rush fee. Learn more at aemlinc.com. siri the cleaning industry research institute see more deeply through science and research learn more at siriscience.org that's c-i-r-i science.org ACGIH, advancing the careers of professionals working in the environmental health, industrial hygiene, and safety communities. Interested in defining their science at ACGIH.org.
1: All right, we're back. And by the way, I want to mention our newest sponsor, the American Industrial Hygiene Association. Learn more at AIHA.org. Their virtual conference starts on Monday, so you're not too late to get in there. We're back with the second half near, near I want to, um, my my co-host, the Z, the Z man, Cliff Zlotnick wrote this question. He said he has a theory that many business advisory books are like New Year's weight loss resolutions. People with good intentions buy them, uh, gym memberships, personal improvement, business books, and they never find out whether the concepts and promises and programs really work so they don't implement them as an author and trainer, how can that be overcome? You know, you you get an idea and you never really put it into implementation.
2: Yeah. It's a, it's a great point. Um, I think that, um, I I think that that's true. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I can't really comment for some of the other fields. Um, you know, um, the health field and, and, and different types of things, but I think that most books, uh, written about business, um, are written by people who are in academia, uh, which is a wonderful thing because there's lots of research and, and incredible things going on there. Um, I've I, I just found very few business titles written by people who are, are in the business. I, I, t- I think I know why, um, Joe, because the the work is unbelievably difficult. If you ever think, you know, that you might want to write a book, just call me first and we'll have like, you know, a good, a good little chat about it because it's, it's an, incredibly difficult process um and i think what you see is people um sort of uh, uh writing books that you know are from an academic uh perspective uh and i think that we need um we need more people who are in leadership positions in the private sector uh to write down their thoughts and their their approach um and i think you're starting to see it there's some really great stuff out there uh that's coming out you know later this year i I wouldn't know if I wasn't publishing a book, you know, I get kind of a list of what else is uh, is being pushed out by publishers and there looks like some, some really good things. So I'm hoping there's sort of a uh, a renaissance of uh, of books written by people who are in the business. Uh, but you have a lot of, 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 you know, uh, academics and stuff like that, publishing research, which is wonderful uh, again, but it doesn't, it doesn't get down to the, the heart of, what you need to do now, today, tomorrow, uh, to improve uh, uh, the business.
1: So how do we, what's the, how do we motivate ourselves to go ahead and implement? You know, you get these great ideas, but then you get caught up in the everyday of, you know, putting out proposals, going out and looking at jobs. So how do you get people to kind of implement those creative ideas they have?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. I think that, um, so I think you got to make a commitment to, you know, envisioning the world in a different way. And, you know, it, especially for, for my sort of uh, platform and what I talk about, it's really about seeing the world as it can be and not that, not what it is. And that's going to mean a million different things to a million different people. You might be somebody who is just enamored with innovation. You want the latest gadget, the, the latest humidity you know, reduction in the business, and you want to implement that as quickly as possible for your customer. You may be a person that wants to grow. Um, every motivation is different. Um, You might want to, you know, make more money or, you know, um, improve customer service or you may want to, you know, expand and franchise or, or whatever it is that you want to do. I think it's very important to look at what it is that somebody wants to do in relation to why they are not doing it. Um, so, if you are are somebody that has a bunch of really good ideas and are not implementing it, then my my thought is that perhaps the reward for the implementation isn't high enough to what it needs to be. So, let's say if you're you have a really great idea about you know technology, let's use that example, and sort of taking out some new products that have come out on the market in in this particular business. Um, yet, you know, you, you're not fully motivated in, in terms of wanting that reward back, it, whatever it is, it could be recognition in the business. It could be, you know, um, a more consulting work. It could be more money, whatever it is. Uh, we're, we're led to believe a lot of times, Joe, you know, that people are only motivated by money, but that, that there, that could be, you know, there's nothing further, uh, from the truth than that. That's one element. Of what people go out and do their, their their work and and perform their services for. So I think by looking at the core of who you are as a creative, uh, uh, as a creative person, and applying that to the field, you'll then start to recognize what works for you. And what works for you might not be you know all about uh, uh, money. It might not be all about this or that. It might be that you know what you really want to do. Is have the business run, uh, um, you know, sustainably and for a long period of time with little ups and little downs, uh, and that will help motivate what ideas you end up uh, executing or not. I also I get you know when I'm out doing doing this work I get a lot of people asking me you know, Nir, I come up with a bunch of ideas. It's not it's not a, a, a lack of ideas. It's an overabundance of ideas. I have like a thousand good ideas. And then I ask them, well, what, what are they? They're like, well, we're going to do this, 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 and the other thing. And those are my ideas. And I don't act on them because, you know, I'm too busy or I got other things to do. And I, I, I start to question, you know, when I hear that, um, whether or not people are really viewing their uh, role or their career or their business in terms of, of its creative essence, like we talked about a little bit earlier. And then I sort of wonder if, um, there is no real uh, um, guiding uh, light, uh, sort of a north star to navigate through in, in a career. You have a lot of people telling you, oh, I've got a lot of ideas uh, that I don't execute, um, often because they don't, they're kind of uh, uh, unmoored, you know, adrift in the sea. I- I'm in the restoration business, that's kind of what I do. Um, okay, well, why? Ah, I just kind of fell into it. it. It's like those types of things, when you really look at them closely, and you start to examine why it is that we're doing these things that we're doing. Um, there's no coincidences here. There's 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 uh, a, a clear path that has led to it, even if the path doesn't look clear. Um, so I think coming up with a um, an idea is, you know, relatively straightforward. Coming up with an idea that works for you, that has meaning for you, is, you know, is really what. You should drive toward, and if you do come up with ideas that have some very concrete um, and deep uh, meaning to you, then you are in a way better uh, position for success. I talk a little bit about that in the book about how you know creativity can really be broken down uh, into three uh sort of framework uh um, uh, topics. And, you know, what we end up doing is rushing toward execution, Joe. We want to buy that machine and go out and use it. We want to do A, B, C, and D and go out and just kind of get it done. But the why factor uh, of why we're doing those things has not been, been asked and the how we're going to do it um, hasn't been visited either. It's just cause it's cool or cause I want to, or I think I can make more money. And without having a framework um, of really understanding who we are and why we're doing this uh, particular business, I think we we end up getting
1: stuck. So it sounds like a lot of um, what you're telling me is that people need to focus more on their own motivations for doing things and then that will help them be more creative i guess because the next question was how can the non-creative retrain themselves to think creatively do you have any techniques or tools for that
2: yeah so i think that we're we're a little bit out of touch with who we are as creative people Uh, i think you know when we're children we were encouraged and we played and we built you know wonderful sort of um, castles out of cardboard or whatever we had around and uh, these things were wonderful. Now we've gotten older and we're kind of like, you know, "Eh, whatever, I have real deadlines and I have real uh, things that I need to to accomplish. Um, One of the things that I think that you can start doing today um, to sort of be more creative is to stop and ask yourself why it is that you're doing what you're doing Uh, before a particular job or a particular call or a particular quote. Um, I think we've gotten so comfortable in the rhythm of the analytical uh, where we can, you know, kind of uh, just get out, get out the uh, proposal. Why? Um, Because it needs to get out, because we need to make money and stuff like that. Well, you know, what is this proposal really about? Who's it going out to? Um, What what are those people's needs? um i think the first the one of the most important things that we can do today is sort of stop and and ask ourselves okay why are we doing this and then i think what's really really important is to have a bit of empathy in terms of what our customers want i i can't tell you how many businesses i've seen joe that are like you know they almost perform services and and some of them even have products um irregardless to what the customer thinks. They're like, somebody needs to consume my services and you know, that's why I'm in business. But I argue that those things are, are a road to sustaining maybe in the near term, maybe you can get a couple years thinking like that. But if you don't have empathy for what your customers are doing, what they're going through and how they're um, sort of you know, in need, then I think that you cut yourself off from an auxiliary uh, service or a completely uh, um, untapped sort of offering that you can you can offer a, a, a client to help them um, with whatever particular situation they're going through. So one, I would recommend just stopping for a minute and asking yourself, why am I doing this? And you know, how did it get this way? Right? Was it, is it this way because it's always been this way? Well, that's not a good answer. I mean, it isn't. It's a good answer if you're really in the business of staying in business for a couple of years, just want to ride out the, the bad COVID times, uh, you know, and that sort of thing, then, yeah, that's a fine answer. But if you're looking to grow, you're looking to mature the business, you're looking to, you know, uh, reach a new level of your career and sort of keep keep rising up, then I think the first thing you need to do is stop and look at why you're doing what you're doing. And then, two, you need to relate to the paying customer. There, there's a relationship there between you and the service that you provide, and the payment made between that customer and you, and I feel like there's a almost, you know, um, religious, I would say, uh, for lack of a better word, relationship between a customer that brings you on for something and your ability to execute that job. I've seen it time and time again where a vendor or a, you know a, a business offers a relationship and builds a type of relationship that allows the customer to feel uh, um, good about what they're, uh, what they're buying. And I've seen time and time again, those businesses tend to grow. They tend to grow because customers will, I don't know, call for something else. They'll recommend you to someone else. They'll um, you know, there's a whole host of things that, that somebody will enable um, you to do when they feel that that relationship is a bit sacred. But what do we see, Joe? You know, I don't know about your business, but in a lot of the businesses that I see, I see a lot of kind of, um, you know, burn and churn. Get that customer in, do the job, move on to the next one. And for me, stopping, saying, okay, time out. Let's look at why we're doing that. Let's look at different opportunities. Let's look at different risks and develop a a relationship with that customer that will enable them to either – uh, um, you know, sort of build with you. Uh, I think it's critical, and it's amazing. It seems fundamental, um, but it's often ignored. Why? I think the analytics tell us uh, burn and churn works, and and it does in the in the short term. If you get a bunch of customers in there, you know they're they're paying. They're, you got to do a job, and you're moving on. But I argue that doing that and and doing a job and just moving on loses all kinds of creative potential for an a, a myriad of things to happen. I can you know, um, you go, go back into history even, and talk about, um, the Toll House cookie, right? Uh, you think, yeah, chocolate chip cookies have been around forever. They have not. They were invented by somebody by mistake. Uh, what ended up happening was, um, uh, a woman who ran a bed and breakfast in, in Toll House, Massachusetts, uh, ran out of some ingredient one day and substituted, you know, a chocolate bar of, uh, of chocolate instead of that ingredient. And, you know, she uh, uh put it out there and it was the best cookie that these people have ever had. She was in the business of uh you know, the bed and breakfast business. She wasn't in the cookie business, uh or the food business, but a problem that happened in a particular field, which was I ran out of cookies for my guests, uh, uh ingredients to make cookies for my guests, led her to amazing uh um potential creative potential with something else so i argue uh that if we take our time and we stop a little bit and we ask ourselves uh some empathetical questions we have empathy with our client what can we uncover joe when we um when we see what those clients needs really are and how can we service them in a way that is honorable and and straightforward to create that relationship um, that'll lead to more business, new business, and it might lead to something completely un you know, uh, um, uh, unplanned for, which was in this case, a cookie that was developed. That was a million times more profitable than having a bed and breakfast with three rooms. Um, we're too busy racing, racing. I got to get this invoice out. I got to do this. Oh, I got to call the customer because they're complaining. Why are we calling customers when they're complaining? We should call them when they're not complaining. Again, look at creativity and look at uh, problems in a different way and you will realize uh, growth and profits and um, sort of even meaning beyond beyond your your wildest imagination. You Just got to look at it differently.
1: You know, one of our uh, group I used to work with a lot, uh, they do strategies for success and they talk about making your customers into cheerleaders for your business. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about to some degree, but you're also talking about listening and listening to your customers. And I wonder if you can maybe comment on why listening is so important.
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, listening is, I have a chapter about it in the book and we went back and forth with the, uh, with the publisher because the uh you know the the first title was uh was uh shut your pie hole or something like that they're like <laughs> yeah we're not publishing that. I said okay let's change I, I can't remember but we changed it a few different times um basically um we have a biological uh, uh sort of impetus to be um understood by others and it manifests itself by kind of uh Talking too much, and we spend so much of our time talking and and you know not listening. It's it, it, again, it's a very fundamental thing. Um, we can get into the the theory of it and the, and the research and all that. But you know, for me, you know, I I, I run a successful business. What I want to know is how do I use that today? Right, I'm getting off this podcast. I have a bunch of calls to make. I have a customer. How do I start listening? Well you know, one, if you stop talking and you say, hey, you know, what do you think um, of this and how did this go? Um, and getting that feedback from the customer is literally gold. It is like putting money in your bank account, Joe, but we have so many people who are so busy trying to express themselves or sort of validate themselves that they won't let a customer listen. My favorite technique, and that's something that you guys can do you know, right after this podcast um, is get on the phone with a client or in person, doesn't matter. And just ask them uh, four uh, very, very simple words. You go, what do you think? Right. You say, hey, the service, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, uh, uh, did this go? Uh, uh, how did it go? And, and all this stuff. And then you say, well, what do you think? And that'll that'll open up an environment where somebody will tell you what they think. It might be good, it might be bad, it might give you amazing uh, uh, knowledge that you haven't had before. I think that um, the amount of, of information that can be gained by not talking and listening uh, is incredible. And it's free, which is, I love it. Everything in my book, that in the Creator Mindset book, and um, I hope you all pick up a copy, I think it's a, it's a pretty, I'm, I'm, I'm very into it. It's been like a seven year uh, process of writing on nights and weekends and, you know, where, where I had some free time between, you know, flying to see a customer or doing that sort of thing. Um, and none of the tools in there cost a penny. This is what I love. Right. Uh, cause I get that too. Like near, I need to buy expensive equipment in order to be creative. Like, no, you know, you don't, you just need to listen to your customers and let them talk and let them go. You know what? Um, your guys did a really good job when they came and into this restorative uh, sort of thing, or, you know, the, the new HVAC system is, you know, great, but A, B and C are missing or, you know, A, B and C worked really well. And what you, what you learn by listening far uh, out, um, you know, outbalances uh, anything that you can uh, uh, gain by, by talking. I don't know, Joe, did that, that kind of
1: answer? Oh, absolutely. Let me, let me, we're getting a little low on time. I want to go to this next question because I think it kind of gets to the essence of what you're talking about and, and our situation right now. And that is, you know, we're in a tough situation. So how does the creator mindset handle crisis? Um, Why is vulnerability your first step in crisis management?
2: So, um, so again, we write about this a little bit in the book, the Royal week, the editorial, like me, um, anyway, uh, I write about it in the book. I write about the Tylenol crisis that happened in 82. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, sure. A lot of people don't. Um, and, um, you know, even, even the folks at McGraw-Heldon, you know, some, some of them are really young. Uh, and they, they weren't born. They weren't around at that time. Um, crisis is an opportunity for growth and for innovation. There's no doubt. COVID is no different. The Tylenol crisis of eighty two is no different. Basically, some wacko terrorists uh, put cyanide in in Tylenol pills um, because at the time you could open any pill and put whatever you wanted in there. Um, they, the, the standards weren't weren't there. they were invented as a result of this very crisis. Um, and the way that uh, um, that Johnson and Johnson, the maker of Tylenol, responded to the crisis. Uh, became kind of a textbook uh, uh, way of dealing with crisis. And a lot have been written about it. Um, Joe, from an academic standpoint, which is brilliant. Um, but I write about it from a cold, hard facts of what you could do today if something goes wrong. And the first step is is to have, um, if to be vulnerable. A lot of us think that we need to have all the answers when something goes wrong, right? A customer calls and complains, and, oh, we better have all the answers. We better tell them, oh, this is what happened, and blah, 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 and, you know, the whole deal. But if we're vulnerable and we allow ourselves to to sort of, you know, go to a realm where, hey, we might not know the answers again, these are all creative principles, then what, what ends up happening is a very, very interesting thing. And this was proven in the Tylenol crisis and many crises thereafter. When you're able to be vulnerable with a customer or somebody who uh, has been uh, somehow, you know, in a, in, in a, in a crisis situation, um, you're able to relate to them better. And what ends up happening is you're able to sort of tell them, um, hey, I, I, I don't know why it went wrong. Um, I might have to research this and look into it. I might have to, um, you know, call one of the sub vendors and figure it out. Uh, we might have to look at what happened during, you know, some records of the construction project or whatever it is that you're working on. Um, but just saying that fact and admitting that maybe you don't know and being vulnerable will lead to some incredible uh, uh, result. Um, the guy that Tylenol, I think it was James Burke, the, the CEO at the time, literally went on TV and said, we don't know what's going on, but we're looking into it uh and we're shutting down the plants and we're doing everything in our our power um uh, to figure this out but i don't know what's going on um and you know generally uh you would think uh from an analytical perspective that that would cause mass chaos right everybody would like you know run around the sky is falling and you know whipping themselves in a circle like uh, you know the black plague but what ended up happening was people were like okay cool they're on my side they're, the guy is literally doing all he can do and he, he told us so, um, and, uh, and yeah, let's see what happened. And people were glued to their TV. They uh, set up a 1-800 line, you know, which today is a little bit um, old, but they were able yeah. to keep constant contact with customers. They would call and say, have you got any latest information? No, we don't. And then when things started coming in, they started getting the information out. Vulnerability is such an unlooked, uh, overlooked uh, business uh, tool It can be used in so many different ways, but especially in crisis.
1: Great. That's very interesting. It's a good way to illustrate it, too. That Tylenol thing was a real, and it, like you said, it led to many changes in packaging and so on and uh, distribution and so forth. So we're we're right on about one o'clock, but before we go, I'd like to ask, is, is there anything you'd like to add? Anything we missed? Any final thoughts for our listeners?
2: Uh, No, no, no final thoughts. It's been a real pleasure, Joe. The questions have been great. Um, You know, I love this stuff. If you guys want some further information, I'd be happy to, to give it to you. Um, The book website is uh, thecreatormindset.com, all one word, Um, thecreatormindset.com. And there's a link there. You can go back to my site, which is my name near It's been an absolute pleasure. I think the work that y'all do is, is very special Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm talking to people in the manufacturing business, and they're trying to find meaning in their work, but you all have a direct connection between what it is that you do and the benefit um, that people get from it, and your industry in particular is ripe for creative implementation and creative thought, and I'm so, so glad to be a, a guest on your show today, and I, I really appreciate your time, and, and Jonathan, and I'm, and I'm um, sad that I missed your co-host, but maybe you'll have me on again.
1: Well, Cliff will definitely be in touch, too. He's going to write the blog and send it to you for your review. And uh, I want to thank you, Nir Bashan, for joining us today. Very interesting. A little different approach on things this week. Uh, One of our better business shows. We appreciate you joining us and look forward to talking again in the future. And uh, hopefully the keynote presentations will pick back up and, uh, you know, conferences will start again and all that. But I'm sure you're going to be busy helping businesses try and work their way through this uh, situation we're in right now. All right, so this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks to this week's guest, dear Bashan. I also want to thank my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. He'll be back next Friday Uh, at the controls. John, you got to have faith. Most importantly, our growing group of loyal listeners, we got a big show next Friday at noon. We've got the IICRC and RIA show. we got uh, Kevin Pearson coming on and I believe Mark Springer's coming on as well, and they're going to talk to us about some of the, you know, it's really nice to see groups starting to get along and work together or something that uh, we here at the show and others in the industry have really pushed for many years. And um, there's actually been some real great progress in that area over the last six months to a year. And we're going to uh, talk about that next Friday at noon when the next episode of IAQ Radio Plus.
0: For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reed saying thanks for listening.